Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, I'm Maeve Marsden and you're listening to Queer Stories, the podcast for the monthly LGBTQIA storytelling night that I host and program at Giant Dwarf in Sydney. This story was shared as part of a Queer Stories end-of-year celebration that I named Chosen Family Christmas. 2017 has been a tough year for queers, so it was lovely to come together and celebrate our weird wonderfulness on December 8th, just 24 hours after the passage of marriage equality legislation. That said, Chosen Family and Queer Family is about so much more than marriage, as the stories from that night show. Sometimes a person is lucky enough to have a few queers in their nuclear family. Sometimes pretty much a whole family is queer, so can we all spare a moment to think of my poor younger sister, the only straight in the village. But this next story is not about me or her. Next up, we have Benji Ra and Christina Radburn. Christina is an award-winning independent film producer based in Nam or Melbourne. Benji is an interdisciplinary artist. She belongs to the collective Club 8 and is the overall mother of the House of Slay, a Western Sydney-based community performance group. They grew up in Maruya, a small coastal town in New South Wales, and they are sisters, carrying the long bloodlines of their Filipino matriarchs who have gone before them. Christina and Benji. So, like so many women, and especially women of colour, no story can be told without understanding the stories that unfolded way before ours even began to be written. We come from a long line of strong matriarchs, a line of bold, brave, fighting spirits. So our mum came to Australia in the late 70s from Manila in the Philippines. She was the baby of eight siblings. She arrived here to two older sisters. She was 23. She came on her own. Well, kind of, plot twist, she was pregnant with me. (laughs) So, what a boss. So she came and her water broke the day that she was told by the government of the time that we could both stay in the country. She was uh, three weeks overdue. So it seems that I somehow knew to hold on until um, we were both given the okay. Um, Apparently I came out screaming with my whole fist in my mouth and um, (laughs) we've kind of been screaming ever since. It kind of set the tone. (laughs) Okay, so growing up queer, It's something I never felt I really grew into or even involved into. In fact, I believe it was something I was born into. Having a migrant Filipino mother and a white Australian father, I inherently understood what difference was, what conflict looked like and sometimes tasted like. It was a difference between quiet and rational and loud and abruptive. Um, A shake of a hand or a sniff, I don't know if you know the sniff kiss, accompanied by like a pinch of the flesh. That's how like Filipinos say hello to you. Or, um, or it's like a choice of like um, corn, beef and rice or steak and potatoes. So <coughs> looking back at our family and the way we used to function, we were already as queer as they came. Our brother would constantly remind us of how, with a roll in his eyes, about how weird we were 
compared to our very mundane white suburban surroundings. But there was something beautiful in our otherness that no outsider could understand. We knew what uh, we knew we were different, and that's what we bonded over. From our mother's interpretations of Australian slang to the soap opera drama that would literally go down minutes before church. These are the anecdotes that kept us going through all those early years. And although what was seemingly dysfunctional compared to the normativity around us, it eventually molded all of us to be incredibly inclusive and celebratory of otherness. Instilling in that, especially in me, that there was great power in authenticity, something that was definitely at the core of my mother's heart. So how does someone like me begin to find their feet? As in, how does this all really begin? Um, <laughs> like really, like how did it happen? <laughs> well, I would say with a guiding big sister, um, a willing mother, a more than willing mother to record absolutely everything, and uh, my first safe space, which was our family TV room. So pretty much from the minute that Benji could walk, she was singing, dancing, playing with expression and performance. Uh, and as her big sister, or as we say in Tagalog, her ate, it was kind of second nature for me to create spaces for the both of us to escape into. So our lounge room was our stage, but also our cocoon. We'd play dress-ups, put on shows, we made music videos, I used to choreograph the dances, times have changed. Uh, <laughs> She used to make my clothes look better on her than me, and that's kind of stayed the same. Um, our middle sibling, our brother Daniel, he'd be amidst the activity, but kind of running through the performances, hiding from the video camera. I'm 13 years older than Benji. I mean, I know, it's like we're twins, but you know. Uh, <laughs> so what that meant was that I would... Um, I left home uh, to go to uni when she was about four years old and she would tell me years later that she would wait for me to come home and to see my car coming down the driveway, usually close to Christmas because that's when I'd come home for the holidays and without fail I'd arrive and she'd, be, she'd say to me, can we do a show now, Chrissy? <laughs> but these shows uh, and that space were just as important as they were for her. I remember when I was 21 and she was about eight and we did a Celine Dion Christmas concert. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Literally the whole Falling Into You album. Um, I needed that at the time. I'd come out of some toxic relationship, you know. I'd cut all my hair off and I needed to sing that shit out. And it's always been that way between the two of us, holding each other. And Christmas has always been an incredibly important time because that's when our family would come together and a lot would happen at Christmas. Okay, so Christmas. <laughs> okay, so like everyone knows that um, Christmas is a time when she gets really real. Um, we face our demons. We deal with racist relatives. Um, people come out, there's all these announcements and someone always exits two days earlier than expected. Um, it's... <laughs> It's honestly a lot of pressure. Like, my mother would not sleep, uh, she would not sleep for days, like literally days, until everything was cleaned and everything was cooked. And because my mom, bless her, would always end up um, inviting some random, like, Bill or Barry to our Christmas lunch, <laughs> we always had to deal with the Christmas drama, like either before or after this. But this drama, although I'm sure very traumatic at the time, was just a way to deal with, um, for us to deal with the time and distance that we've had apart. 
So, you know, my mum's Filipino, so having her children leave home and go to university or to pursue something other than hairdressing at the local TAFE campus was <laughs> heart-wrenching, heartbreaking for her. She, like, never wanted us to be apart. Filipino families never break up. You grow up, get married, and then you still live together, according to my mum. <laughs> So, at the time of my sister's departure to university, my mother wasn't having it. <laughs> it wouldn't just be her O-week, it was our O-week. <laughs> we literally camped outside of her campus. In a caravan on her first week. <laughs> and while my dad, my sweet dad, would take us around the town of Wagga Wagga, my mom would take herself and her very large 90s video camera into the campus. <laughs> and we didn't know this, but she was secretly interviewing other students on campus as a way to keep track of any suspicious behaviour. And we still have that video, it's hilarious. She like holds the camera down here and she pretends it's off and she's like, oh yeah, and what's your name and where do you live and what's your room number? <laughs> and do you know a, a young girl called Christina and what do you think of her? Like, it was like, <laughs> seriously some FBI shit going on. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so yeah, she kept a fierce eye on my big sister and honestly, I'm so here for it. She made sure through some pretty extreme tactics that we remain close and of course we did. So the ebbs and flows of our relationship have always been couched in love and understanding that hasn't changed from the beginning till now. She, she taught us well. What has changed has more been to do with our growth, our ages and how this has leveled out over time. My role as her big sister has shifted from creating a stage in our lounge room to literally being there as she navigates her way through the stages of life. From moving to New York at 18, to her, the first heartbreak and the many moving parts of her life as an artist. I remember the day she Facebook messaged me and she's like, sis, I know what I want to do after high school. I'm going to move to New York. I was like, okay, yeah, you go get that. But I was crying while I was messaging because I was scared and excited and I didn't know what this meant and what was going to happen and when she'd come back. So. Following my mum's footsteps, I went to New York to follow her and um, <laughs> I didn't give a shit about what New York was about, but I wanted to see where my sister was. And that was a turning point for our relationship. We leveled out as equals. We shifted from big sis, little sis to, you know, the, the, a new space. So we had our first night out in the club. Sorry, mum. Um, <laughs> She was 18 and it didn't matter because this club was all about having the right look to get in. So we were standing outside the club waiting for our friend to arrive and I hear the door girls say to this group of girls, listen, you better turn around and go home and realise you're in New York. And I looked at Benji and I was like, okay, if that happens to us, I'm going to die. It didn't, of course. And we walked in and we had a night that kind of changed um, many nights to come after. And the next day when we were chilling at the Chelsea Piers, as you do, she turned to me and she said, wow, you really got your own thing going on and I see you. Um, so we grew incredibly on that trip. Uh, when I first got there, you know, she said, well, let's get you a Manny. And I was like, oh, I'm a lesbian, I don't get Mannies. <laughs> and then cut to, by the end of that trip, she helped me really embrace my femme power. <laughs> So, always there. 
Um, so much advice was given both ways and when we were parting at JFK and tears were streaming down our faces because we didn't know when we'd see each other next, I gave my last bit of big sis advice and she gave me hers, sis, life is too short to wear the same dress twice. Um, and then what followed was our first Christmas without her at the table, but we Skyped her in. <laughs> So being the youngest or in Tagalog, um, the bunso um, has its benefits. Um, actually, there's a lot of benefits and I get away with a lot of shit. <laughs> um, it's honestly a blessing and I'm so thankful for it. But um, often your siblings, um, before you go through the fire so that you don't have to, they experience the pain, heartbreak and most often trauma all the while unknowingly helping the next sibling to take the journey less traveled. I remember thinking, and I still do, that my sister was a celebrity. Some bomb-ass character from some sitcom that gave no fucks, said what she wanted to say and defended herself fiercely against local racists and anyone that would come even close to our family unit. She would often keep a large baseball bat at the back of her car, and I think... Oh my God, this is so real. I think my fondest memory... My fondest memory of her was chasing down a racist town local who called her Kari Manja, then taking him to his mother and asking her, bat in hand and racist in the other, that, <laughs> did you know, do you know that your child was a racist? I still have the bat. Hey, she... <laughs> And she got that from my mother as well, so <laughs> don't mess with the Top Gun. To me, she was flawless in her demeanor. Before anything else, she was hot and on point. She was hilarious and disregarded the patriarchy from the beginning. She taught me what social justice was just through her lived experience. And I was the proudest little sibling to have her as an arte, often feeling sorry for those who didn't have that one true ally. You don't always get to choose your family, but in our case, our ancestors had other thoughts and bonded us for life. <laughs> we are beyond blessed to have each other. It definitely hasn't been this easy, but I'm thankful to be on this journey with a family who also grows with us every day. We've been blessed to have each other as sisters. We have our relationship as the baseline for the greater chosen fam that we also have in our lives. Through Benji, I've inherited many baby sisters across the globe, and I proudly wear that title of big sis. And she wears the same with many of the girls that now form our greater family. We're here for our family, chosen and blood. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening. For tickets to the next Queer Stories, visit giantdwarf.com.au. To check out other events I produce and perform in, visit mavemarsden.com. And if you'd like advance or discount tickets to these shows, look me up on crowdfunding platform Patreon. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.